Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Drip Podcast, the podcast where we need movies like we need our coffee. As always, I am Scott Lentz, here with my good friend and co-host, Christian Ubius. Christian, the time has come. We're finally talking about The Dark Knight on this daggum podcast of ours, and let me tell you, I'm excited. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Christian, we got to watch and discuss a movie starring one of your two dads last week, that being 1989's Batman. And now, of course, we get to sit down with your other dad, that being Christian Bale. So it's been a good run for you, even though <laughs> even though I'm the one who's uh, putting this month together here. We do get to talk about, uh, I might say, your favorite actor, Correct. Correct, yes, my so, favorite actor. Do do tell Christian. Normally I ask about your relationship to the movie or if it's a part of a series, but right now just tell me about your relationship to Christian Bale. I, I know he's been a favorite of yours for a while, but I, I, I want the listeners to know. I want you to unpack that for them. I, I, I want to say it was, I don't know when, maybe early 2010s when someone, at, or maybe I asked myself who my favorite actor was. And <laughs> Sitting I, alone in your room, pondering. Basically, and I just... I had just seen, or right after, I, I thought, I don't know if I have an answer. And so I watched one of the Batman movies. I don't know why. I think it was near the time The Dark Knight Rises was coming out. And I remember thinking, this Christian Bale dude's pretty good. And I think it just became an answer because it was the last movie I saw. And then I started to check out some of Christian Bale's other movies. Uh, American Hustle, which I'm not the biggest fan of necessarily, but he, oh man. He, this is, this is a dude who, <laughs> this is a dude who knows what to do. Oh, he, the, the, the way that he just basically envelops himself in a role and everything from 1994's Little Women and I think even before that, The Swing Kids, which is, I think, a high school history favorite to watch. Oh, good grief. Have you seen Newsies? I have not seen Newsies. Boy, they. <laughs> and The Fighter, which I think he's phenomenal in. Vice, The Prestige, obviously. I love him. I think he... I don't know. I, every time I see him, he captures my attention on screen more than any other actor can. He is certainly one of my favorites, too. And I think I have a... I have a funny relationship to picking favorites because I'm terrible at it. I feel very noncommittal about picking favorite movies, which, of course, whenever you tell someone, especially a normal person who's not obsessed with movies, that you are really into movies, they'll ask you, oh, what's your favorite? And I've always been that way about favorite directors, favorite actors and actresses. I feel like I can never pick one. But Christian Bale is usually somebody that I get excited about. And that honestly probably started with these movies, too. One of the first times that I encountered him and. It's weird to think about the fact that we haven't had him on screen in years. The 2019. Last, the last, yeah, the last movie that he was in was Ford v. Ferrari, a movie that we got to see together and, and loved quite a bit, and he was a huge part of that. The poster for that is Less Than a Foot From You. Indeed it is. It is right behind me with your boy Christian Bale and my boy Matt Damon looking over us. But he's coming back later this year in Thor Love and Thunder. How very exciting. <laughs> and and uh, Canterbury Glass, tentative title. Yes. Which should be interesting. He's reuniting with David O. Russell. David O. Russell, obviously, somebody who has sort of escaped <laughs> cancel culture or whatever you're going to say for all of the 
some extra bad, some just standard bad things that he's done. So we'll see what happens when that movie comes out. Could be an interesting conversation. But of course, Christian, we're not just here to discuss our guy, the Bailmeister. This is The Dark Knight. It's one of the biggest and most influential movies of the past 15 years. Um, up Just about. It'll be 15 next year. And a movie that is widely considered to be maybe not only the best Batman movie, but even the best comic book movie or superhero movie ever made. It's a movie that is placed on top 100 movies of all time, best movies of the 21st century lists, a movie that made a billion dollars at the box office and literally changed the way the Academy Awards work. It is a hugely influential movie and a fabulous example of what the, the best of this kind of storytelling can be. Where, although, yes, it's craven IP filmmaking, where we are adapting a comic book hero who had many movies to his name and television series to his name, we're making another movie about Batman, but of course, when you get the right people together in the room and put your minds to it, you can create something special, even in this world of, of IP blockbusterdom. So, I'm really excited to talk about this movie. What is your relationship to it? If and I mean, I, I know you've seen this movie before, so what is your relationship to it? now so I did, obviously i didn't see it when it came out i think it was one of those bus movies for me i know i've talked about them before where when i went off to math competitions my professor would put it on and so i i, I think i've seen batman begins the dark knight and the dark knight rises for the first time on a math bus i'm not yeah no 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 that was the first time i saw social network also I think. oh my gosh <laughs> yeah on a bus frozen we were very upset when elsa's mom like parents died yeah, 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 no. And The Dark Knight, I went through a revisit of the Batman movies sometime, either end of high school or be middle of college. Uh, and so I looked up all of them, and I remember thinking, I mean, many good things, such as how great Joker was, which is going to be just an obvious point that we make here, but also how sick the action is. When I went, so I've done the tourist buses of Chicago, and Chicago is where they filmed some of these Batmobile car chase scenes, and it's incredible. So I haven't revisited it since then. I wasn't able to do Batman Begins before watching this movie. So I have, I love this movie, and I don't want to say anything bad about this movie <laughs> but i i will say in that no 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 it, it's one of those where my excitement for this movie i don't think equals the excitement that other people have for this movie and I, i'm trying to parcel through why i think there are some very clear-cut flaws in this movie that might be fun to unpack because there's so much to praise and yet you don't have to be a, an eagle-eyed viewer or astute critic of cinema to recognize some of the flaws in this movie so it'll be i think it'll be good to be fair and balanced and bring those up as we bring up the positives as well but this is a movie that i cannot tell you how much resentment it, i i i love my mother dearly i love her very much my dad listens to our show sometimes so dad if you're listening make sure mom knows i love her but this movie <laughs> 
came out in the summer of 2008, and I was a, a strapping young lad of 12. And I didn't really, I didn't necessarily scare easily at the movies, but some intense stuff. Like, I couldn't watch The Lord of the Rings when I was younger, because Gollum and Goblins and Orcs and Ring Wraiths were all a little too creepy for me. So, my mom, trying to do her best, figured this might be a little too intense for me. And I was sad I couldn't see it in theaters, because all my friends were seeing it, but, you know, respect mother, of course. Eventually, it... It, it's out of theaters and it starts the rounds on HBO and some of those other channels and I, I see it's out and I'm a little bit older, a little bit wise when I say, hey mom, is it okay with you if I watch this movie? Because that's the kind of kid I was, of course. And she says, I mean, if you, you can, yeah, you're watching in the family room, it's all good. If you need to turn it off, turn it off. And let me tell you, I've never been more mad at her in my life because that movie blew my mind. <laughs> I could not see it in theaters. And I said, mom, like I, 12 or 13, if I was 13 by that point, I was like, I can't tell you how sad I am that you didn't let me see this on a big screen. But even so, it blew my mind sitting there watching it on TV, and it's a movie that I love every time I return to it, whether it is catching it on TV and just watching an hour of it, or doing a full watch-through of the series. It's one that I, I've now seen it probably three, four, maybe even five times at this point, and it's something that I love the same every time I go back. So I'm really looking forward to unpacking it here in our review. Some of the quick details that many folks will already know before we dive in here, but of course, directed by Christopher Nolan, written by him and his brother, Jonathan, and David S. Goyer assisted on the story front as well. He helped write the screenplay for Batman Begins. Of course, returns Christian Bale as Batman and Bruce Wayne, with some of his cast in tow, like Michael Caine coming back, Gary Oldman coming back, and of course, Heath Ledger starring co-starring, we should say, as the Joker in what is a performance that we will surely spend some time talking about. And like I said, grossed just over a billion dollars at the global box office, was one of the biggest movies of that year, and went on to receive eight Oscar nominations. Of course, many of those being in the craft categories, the one major one that it did win was for Best Supporting Actor, unfortunately, posthumously, for Heath Ledger, who died in between his filming for this movie and the eventual release. So, of course, there was a lot of love thrown his way, not only because of how great his performance was, but because of his tragic loss. So, Christian, before we dive in to our, our full review, or I guess not before, it's time. We're going to dive into our full review, and I have my opening question for you. This month, we have talked about the newest Batman, the Batman, starring Robert Pattinson, and the original Batman, with much love to Batman 66, the original Batman, with Michael Keaton. So now... I've got to ask, we've gotten a few different perspectives on our guy, on Batman, but Christian, is your dad, Christian Bale, still your favorite Bruce Wayne slash Batman, or has he been usurped? He is so far my favorite, it's not even <laughs> funny. You need to dig like 18 ditches and get to hell and then maybe go up just a slightly notch to find someone else. <laughs> How many ditches it takes to get to hell? 18. How, what's the measurement on a ditch, Christian? Is it specifically how many feet are we talking here? So, are we talking like customary metric system or hell unit? <laughs> well, whatever unit of measurement makes sense to you, Christian. Do, do tell. 18 hell ditches. 18 hell ditches. Okay, good. So, Christian, he is far away, still your favorite Bruce Wayne. Go on, expound, speak on it. 
you don't normally think of a part like this as something that requires a transformation, but I think that this is a beautiful example of an actor who transforms. First of all, he's built. Goodness. <laughs> Christian Bale is jacked for this role. There's a moment early on where he's coming home from all his his crusading against crime he pulls off his costume and alfred's looking at him sadly because he's got all these bruises and cuts but the rest of us look at him like dang christian (laughs) he is so jacked and he plays the billionaire playboy so so good honestly I, i mean we've both heard someone say recently that he is by far the best bruce wayne and yes that is true to the extent that i want more Bruce Wayne and less Batman from him. And that's actually going to go into the only issue I have with all Batman movies. Honestly, all Batman movies is that I I, I want someone to tell me why Gotham is worth saving. <laughs> I, I, I do. I really need someone to explain to me why we should save this place because no <laughs> one's argument has been good. Christian, have you heard about this thing? It's called the inherent value and dignity of human life. <laughs> Have these movies heard of it? Because I never get human life from it. Like, and and that's what I love when when he gets the entire Russian ballet to go on a love boat with him. Of course. Oh my goodness, that's so fun. Or when he's just like at a party, and when he disarms one of Joker's thugs, as Bruce Wayne, it's so cool. He's so cool, and yeah, even as Batman. The fact that you need to tell me that it's the same guy. Otherwise, I wouldn't know. Whereas in in The Batman, (laughs) in The Batman, it's very clear that the Bruce Wayne Robert Pattinson gives us is the same guy under the suit. I mean, what's funny about that is I feel like that's the problem with so many of these movies and that it's obvious that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Like, huh, that's funny. Just as Batman, who's only ever operated in Gotham City, absconds with somebody from Hong Kong the same week that Bruce Wayne mysteriously disappears. Oh, then he comes back to Gotham City and Bruce Wayne's back. That's not what I'm talking about. I know, but... Uh, aside from that, I think there are actually a couple of moments. The one thing that I noticed that made me laugh about how you could, how, how us an astute listener could have figured out that Bruce Wayne was Batman is that Christian Bale has a ever so slight lisp on his S's. It's not very pronounced, but when, I mean, when you're listening closely to what he's saying, it's the kind of thing that stands out. And so when Batman is th- like, th- th- <laughs> there's moments where I'm like, how, how is Jim Gordon, who has interacted with Bruce Wayne, not picking up? How does how does Harvey Dent not recognize this? Uh, and, and I think that's funny. I, I mean, I saw a tweet today that was joking about how people would have obviously guessed that Pattinson's Bruce Wayne was Batman because of how chiseled his jawline is. You got to suspend your disbelief, whether it be uh, a speech, a, a mild speech pattern, or <laughs> some kind of uh, physical attributes. Personality, because even Michael Keaton does. Uh, I don't know. He has this weird demeanor as both Michael Keaton and as Batman. Robert Pattinson is emo as both (laughs) Bruce Wayne and as Batman. Christian Bale isn't. Christian Bale falls full force into I am a billionaire. I can get any woman that I want. And then into my life sucks. I'm, I I don't know what I'm doing. I want to save this city that doesn't really care about me. And that's what's fun about watching these movies in sequence is that you get to see which aspects of the characters that the writers and directors and actors play up where Christian Bale 
is so good at embodying that smarmy, a-hole, billionaire, playboy aspect of Bruce Wayne. It's a stark contrast from both Pattinson and Keaton, where Keaton is a little bit crazier, a little bit more awkward. Pattinson is obviously, like you said, very emo and very removed from society. So it's fun to watch these movies and, and see what different people are doing with the role, and Bale is so good at drawing a clear distinction between who Bruce Wayne is and who Batman is. He hides all of his true beliefs and the values that he is trying to hold, to cling to and foster in his pursuit of saving Gotham, and he's able to, to cover that up and hide it so well as Bruce Wayne, and that's one of my favorite parts about his performance here. It is interesting watching Batman Begins, because I did watch Batman Begins before watching The Dark Knight, and there are a lot of differences between the two, but one of them is that, obviously, Batman Begins is much more a Bruce Wayne story, and I had forgotten how much time it takes before he even appears on screen as Batman. So if you had to guess in Batman Begins, how long is it before we see him in costume? The two hour and 20 minute movie, so hour and a half? Not actually that long, but it is basically an hour. I paused it to check. It's around that, essentially an hour before, in that movie, if you remember it, he stops the drug bust that gets Carmine Falcone arrested. So... It's a lot of investment in Bruce Wayne, in his character, unpacking the key theme of that movie as it relates to him, which is fear. And The Dark Knight is very different in that, of course, we see a lot less Bruce Wayne. When Bale's on screen, it's a lot more Batman. And it's really more focused on Gotham at large, the bigger picture of Gotham City. And one thing that The Dark Knight has been praised for is... I mean, just how it stands out, I guess, in the Batman canon and the superhero film canon even. Because in, in many respects, it's got the stylings of a crime thriller. And not in the ways that people in the MCU will say, oh, my movie is really, uh, you know, Winter Soldier is really a 70s conspiracy thriller. When, in fact, there's, there's like, tasting notes there. There's a little bit of flavor, but it's still a Captain America movie. But The Dark Knight really is, in many respects, this type of movie. There's a, a large ensemble cast. It's very focused on the inner workings of the politics, not just of the good guys, but also of the bad guys. And we are getting a sense of this whole city, not just of the main character and his immediate intimates, as well as the bad guy. What do you make of that? Because that a lot of a lot of that is how Nolan approaches these these movies. And I think there are some key differences in, in stylistics and genre between begins Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, but what do you make of that? Because I'm I'm not making that up. It's something that I've heard people and talking about this movie in the years since it's been out, reading up a little bit on it. What did you make of that in terms of the Dark Knight as a crime thriller? Do you disagree with me and think it's a little bit MCU-ish in the way that it's really a superhero movie, but it's trying to be this crime thriller? I think it actually is a crime thriller. I don't. I, I see it much more as that than a superhero movie, though clearly it is both. But the. The thing about it being a crime thriller is that it's also kind of this this the uh, examination of good versus evil. No, not even of good versus evil, but of order versus chaos. Yeah. And in in so doing, I we'll get into it later. That's not what you're asking me. I think it's incredible, but I also wish because the title of this movie is called The Dark Knight. I wish I had seen a little bit more Batman. I wish it's, or maybe not even seen because he's in a ton of this movie, but centered a little bit more so on that character. So, <clears throat> excuse me there. 
we've been talking behind the scenes with our buddy Keenan Culler from the Hollywood Week podcast, which he often comes up on this show. So hi, Keenan. Thanks for listening. And one of his critiques of this movie is that it's not enough a Bruce Wayne movie, not enough of a Batman movie. And I think that's actually something that works to its strength. Because we have a whole movie that is way more zoned in on Bruce Wayne and on his character journey in Batman Begins. And this whole trilogy is about Batman, of course, about Bruce Wayne. And The Dark Knight, I think part of the reason for its enduring success is that it does decentralize the, you know, the Bruce Wayne of it all a little bit. He is not, he's still the main character, of course. He is still featured throughout the movie. He has the most scenes. But it gives some room for Heath Ledger's Joker to really get in there and cause chaos. And it gives some room for Aaron Eckhart's Harvey Dent to go on to have an entire full character arc of his own. It gives room for Michael Caine's Alfred to <laughs> drop some some banger lines, or at least some lines that you know the Nolan brothers were like, oh yeah, that's going to be so great, have him say that. And it gives room for Gary Oldman's Jim Gordon to have some good scenes as well. And because of its expansive nature, some of the the uh, the things that you often want from a movie, like a tight script and screenplay, that kind of gets lost in the sprawl. But even so, I actually, I actually like... I think the screenplay is pretty tight here. Really? <laughs> Interesting. Because so, I feel like that's the one major critique I would have for this movie, even though I don't really care, because I still love it. Like, that's the one thing that I would say, it's a little bit loose, and some of these plot plot threads are side missions. I don't really know if we needed to do it this way. <laughs> okay, story-wise, I... Okay, okay. Let's... Let me focus on praising it. There are some scene, some scenes of dialogue that are so incredibly corny, and yet because of the way that they're set up and the script sets them up, they work beautifully. Totally. 100% when, agree. When Joker says, I'm an agent of chaos, <laughs> like, that's a line that shouldn't exist or shouldn't work. Honestly, as much as we quote it and repeat it, that's a line that's so stupid and so clearly obvious, you don't need to spell it out. And yet Heath Ledger <laughs> says it like a joke. Christian, are you telling me that you don't want your characters walking around your movies just loudly announcing their motivations and what they're about? You you want us to be shown that instead of told? I, I don't know. What do you what do you mean? Okay, look, you're you're like up here. I need you to bring it down. Okay. Why do I gotta bring it down? This is a fun episode. I'm excited. And and I I can't I praise the screenplay for actually being able to use lines that aren't necessarily used. Or the different stories that Joker brings up about, how, you want to know how I got these scars? Like, we get two of them, and my a potential third. was a drinker. It's so like, good. my wife. Like, they, yeah. they, it's, it's so great, and it touches on that aspect of chaos. These lines that are really well in tune with who they are. When Bruce Wayne says, she said she'd wait for me. I felt that I was shown that, and also as as simple as that line is, it made so much sense to me. Um, the I that that's what I have to say about the dialogue. Yeah, there's so many lines that have lasted from this movie. You of course have Harvey Dent's speech about you know you either live 
or how many I don't want to mess it up. But either you die a hero or you live long enough to see your live long enough to see yourself become the villain. You have Alfred's line of some men just want to watch the world burn. Of of course, and these lines shouldn't work. <laughs> Yet they do. They're so good. And they're so good. <laughs> and I, I I was listening to uh, a different podcast episode on the Dark Knight. And one of the things that they said is that the Nolans really leaned into the comic booky aspect of yes, Batman in the dialogue. And so when you compare and contrast this super corny and cheesy dialogue with this more realistic, somewhat grounded take on a superhero story. You have a really great combination. And I, I think that's the beautiful blend of The Dark Knight is you have these ridiculous characters. We have a billionaire playboy running around dressed up like a bat. We have a supervillain painting his face to look like a clown. We have all of these crazy comic book characters, but in this more grounded milieu, they got that combination just right in terms of fun and silliness, but also seriousness and, and trying to make... A capital F great film. And so that is the combination of factors that I, th- I think is part of why this movie has endured so well. The action, Christian. You mentioned you are a big fan, and good gracious, so am I as well. Especially in comparison to Batman Begins, which, honestly, upon rewatch, I think is not the best action movie. And one thing that I've heard a criticism of Christopher Nolan that I didn't always agree with is that he's not a great director or stager of action sequences, but that movie... Wait, what? So, of course, you have some iconic sequences in his movies, but his critics will say they're not directed well. It's more, you remember the things going on in screen. Oh, like he's more of a he's more of a creator of shots than the movement in those shots. Uh sort of. I, I think the the thing that I notice about Batman Begins is that they're edited poorly. It's really lightning fast editing and you kind of get lost at times in some of the action sequences. And there's not as many indelible set pieces. Whereas in The Dark Knight, Honestly, these things live in your mind well after they're over. You can recall them, whether you're thinking about the opening bank heist with Joker and his hired henchmen, or the pursuit of Harvey Dent when they're driving through the lower portion of whatever Chicago street that is, and the Joker and his buddy and his guys show up on a truck, and they, of course, flip that truck later. It's one of the most iconic moments from this movie. Or... Of course, even near the end, where Batman is fighting his way through uh, a construction building where the Joker's taken hostages, and he's fighting bad guys, he's fighting the SWAT team, it's a lot going on. This is just an incredible action movie, whereas Batman Begins, all of the good parts about that movie are more Bruce Wayne's character journey, the the Batman story, and the, the modern, grounded Batman story. It's not so much about the, the action, although it's not bad, it's just not the best directed, edited scene, so... What are some of your favorite moments from this movie in terms of action scenes? Well, I mean, when the Batmobile blows it blows up and he has to escape on the the Batpod, the Batpod, <laughs> yes. Or when they, I mean, the two fairies at the end. Even though there's no action there, it's just like the shots of the two fairies going near each other. I mean, that's such a crazy moment. We in this gigantic blockbuster movie, we take I don't know how long it is, but. A decent amount of screen time to feature a bunch of characters who are played by no-name actors who appear out of nowhere, basically, and dominate one of the the key thematic sequences of the movie. It's great. It is. No, for sure. And 
Um, obviously, yes, the bank heist at the beginning. I recall a lot from this, which let me let me just get it out of the way now. Oh boy. No, no, no. I'll it, lean in. I'm ready. I want to see because all of these movies talk about saving Gotham, and that Gotham is not below saving, and, and that there is inherent worth in the humans who are in Gotham. And yet Gotham, we spend so much time in the darkness that I want to see the moments of levity. Now, originally I put Batman Begins over the Dark Knight and when I look back, I think I stand by that ranking because when I remember Batman Begins, and again, it's been a couple of years, it did focus so much on Bruce Wayne and his coming out of the darkness to try and see the light and I could follow his journey to acceptance and to love for Rachel and to um, different parts that are not just Gotham and that gave me I don't know more moments of, of, of understanding of why someone would grow up here and to feel the darkness that they do and yet still want to combat it in the dark night I get a joker who wants to create chaos in a system that I think is already incredibly chaotic and, and immoral. And so the action is incredible. The dialogue is fantastic. The acting is top notch. And yet the central theme of the movie doesn't fully land for me. And I don't think it's landed for any of these Batman movies. So, I mean, I guess it depends on your read on central themes because Order versus Chaos is a, and obviously a very key aspect of The Dark Knight. It's the Joker's whole MO in this movie. He wants to introduce chaos to the system. We see him flip his position on some of the elements of his plan during the movie because at first he wants the Batman to unmask himself and so he's killing these public figures until the Batman does. And then later in the movie, he... he hacks into a TV show again, or calls into a TV show, rather, and says that he wants the Batman to remain hidden because he comes to love the chase. And there's this moment at the end of the movie where Joker looks at Batman. Maybe it's not the end of the movie. It, I, you have to remind me if it's during the end or if it's during their interrogation scene, which might be my favorite scene of the whole movie, where he tells Batman, I basically, I need you, you complete me. And it's this this beautiful moment between these this superhero and supervillain. But I think order versus chaos isn't necessarily the central theme of the Dark Knight. And what we do get as a central theme is the I have to find a way to say this, but I think Harvey Dent is more related to the central theme of the Dark Knight. And we see him go on this arc from crusading and bold, literally called the White Knight of Gotham, where Bruce and is struggling as Batman because he's the Dark Knight. He has to operate at night as a vigilante outside the boundaries of the law. And Harvey Dent is the one who can make what he's doing legitimate. He can bring these criminals to trial. He can put them away. And it's his eventual fall to the dark side, of course, that is the end of the movie. And for better or for worse, because Heath Ledger's Joker is so dominant over this entire movie... That is where they choose to end it. And that's why I find that his journey is actually more central. This struggle between how to combat evil. <laughs> this struggle between 
I, I guess, uh, resoluteness and being able to stand up for what is right and fearing that, that fall to the dark side. And we see the contrast between the white knight who falls and the dark knight who continues to fight for Gotham even when Gotham turns against him. So, but that that's the thing. I... And we can move on because I'm I'm not gonna fight with anyone who loves this movie. I I have better things to do than 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 say bad things about a great movie. I will say, Harvey fights for this city, and I want to know why. And that's the only that's the only thing that that keeps me from fully loving it. In that I get that he can operate in the daylight. I get that he can do things legitimately. And yet I am missing a bit of, of the rationale and the most rationale I get for Harvey is his love for Rachel. And so if I'm hinging my thoughts on Harvey, on his love for Rachel, then I want to know why Rachel loves the city. So the, and I'm, I'm looking for a Gotham that doesn't necessarily need saving, but can be fully fleshed out instead of just drug lords and the corrupt cops. And they can, th those can be there. Lovely, fantastic, make for great movies. But I want a little bit more of, I don't know, children playing in a playground, hospital workers, um, families of good cops. And, and, and it, it's, when I get those, amazing. I love it. I, I, I can see the connect. When I don't get those... You know, I'm, I'm, I struggle. I mean, I think in some sense, then you'll always be dis at least a little disappointed by a Batman movie because that is so often the tension for, for Bruce Wayne and Batman is struggling to fight for this city that all, often, if not always, rejects him. Rejects the Batman for what he's trying to do. And the, the point is that... Batman from 1989 did it decently well. Because we were shown... Um, newspaper reporters who were having fun <laughs> like as stupid as that sounds and they were such a big part of the movie and such a campy part of the movie that i go i can see why people want to get rid of the evils in this city because they want to have a good time and then i, I guess the even the the point about harvey dent like i understand maybe preferring burton's gotham to the other two that we've talked about on the show this month but even the harvey dent piece like again it I don't need a, a, a five-minute sequence fleshing out his backstory. The fact that he's the district attorney who's not corrupt is all you need to know <laughs> in this in this Gotham City. And I think there are key moments showing what is happening in the city. Because, of course, The Dark Knight is, as, as independent as it is in some ways of Batman Begins, is, of course, still a sequel. And a key aspect of that movie is the way that the Batman comes in and is able to save Gotham, of course. And so people start to see hope in in this crooked and broken city where it feels like maybe the good guys could come out on top for the first time in a long time. And that's the struggle in The Dark Knight between Harvey Dent and Jim Gordon and the, you know, for the cops and Batman. There's these all of these good guys who are mounting, but the bad guys are pushing back more than ever. And the Joker comes in to really screw things up. So I think that is, that, that's the point. We still see those moments like that, the fairy moment at the end of the movie where the, it's so extraordinarily on the nose, but the prisoners in one boat and average everyday citizens in the other boat choose not to blow each other up. And we see the change that is coming to the hearts and minds of the people of Gotham. I wonder what kind of movie would have been if they had blown each other up. A much sadder one, <laughs> a, a much, much darker one. 
One that would not have played (laughs) from Hollywood. So, Christian, of course, we got to talk Heath Ledger. We got to talk the Joker in this movie. It's unbelievable. It's so good. I love his hair. His hair reminds me of my hair. (laughs) If you didn't wash your hair for months on it. He is unbelievably good in this movie. It is heart wrenching to think about what he would have been able to give to the movies and audiences had he lived of course ledger died at 28 years old and he he wins an oscar late in his 20s like just tragic and i mean this performance every time you watch it just absolutely explodes off the screen and every line of his is delivered perfectly and flawlessly like this is one of the most incredible performances i've ever seen and i don't really mean to come across as like reddit film bro who loves christopher nolan (laughs) which is some of the stereotype that has come with loving his performance, but he's just flat out amazing in this movie. I have very little to contribute. The thing is... <laughs> no notes. Oh, no. He's so incredible. The makeup that's chipped is such a nice touch. The laugh, the fact that he comes across not across and says he's not crazy. He comes across as someone who is intelligent and therefore the agent of chaos thing really comes through. Someone who isn't smiling all the time just has a smile painted on his face that makes you think what is going on? What are these different shades that that are trapped here? The the way in which his plan unfolds the the very very disturbing home videos that he takes for the hostages and the people he kills or the 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 way he talks to batman and also that he he does that kind of gulp thing he he (laughs) you know he does that little thing that i hate when you do when we're recording because i need to edit it out (laughs) he has that he's constantly smacking his lips and moving his tongue around that kind of sound and it it's so uh, eerie, especially when he talks about giving a better sense of morality to the corruption. And that because they all that they want is, is money, they will never be good criminals. <laughs> There's a moment where he complains about how much criminals love money and wants Gotham to be, to be served better with a better class of criminal. <laughs> he literally burns a pile of money at one point in this movie. He is just incredible. So, Christian, that is, of course, The Dark Knight. So much more that we could have said on it, but we got some things to get to by, before the end of this podcast because, of course, we are wrapping up our Batman Blend of the Month here, so it's time for our Marathon Awards. And normally we'll do three, sometimes four, but Christian, instead of that, we're going to actually do a little rapid fire because we saw three Batman movies, many of which have similar elements. So I'm going to ask you a series of favorites or, you know, bests for you, Christian, as we wrap up this blend. So, Christian... Best Bruce Wayne slash Batman. No separating. Okay. <laughs> you ready for this, Christian? Yeah. Might be the recency bias speaking, but my favorite is Robert Pattinson. Ew. <laughs> he's incredible. He is my favorite Bruce Wayne by far, and he's the least Bruce Wayne of them all. So I could speak more on that, but I think it's the most realized performance. Shout out to our guy, Bobby Pats. Christian, are you going to complain or do we have to keep going? <laughs> keep going. I'll complain next week. Favorite Jim Gordon. Oh, Gary Oldman. Yeah, I gotta go Gary Oldman, too. As much as I love Jeffrey Wright in The Batman, uh, shout out to Pat Hingle, too, in Batman. Gary Oldman is is the favorite far and away. Best Alfred. Do do we really need it? Michael Caine? Michael Caine. Yeah, it's Michael Caine as well. I really do like Michael Guff in uh, 1989's Batman, so 
you, you love him, but you gotta go with Michael Caine, of course. Best love interest. Uh, uh, no, Kim Basinger. Really? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go again with the most recent Batman and go Catwoman and Selena Kyle. I think Zoe Kravitz is great in that movie. I do love Kim Basinger as Vicky Vale, so it's not anything against her. But had to go with uh, with Selena Kyle there. Gotcha. And Christian. Uh, uh, oh, of course we don't have to say this, but best villain. Well, move on. It's the Heath Joker. <laughs> so of course, Christian. Now we do come to actually. I had one more. Best Batmobile. I like. I, I, I will say I still take the Dark Knight, but if you choose the Batmans, I'm okay with that. I, I am going to do that as well. I, the Tumblr is kind of funny to me as this giant tank rolling around Chicago, but <laughs> I, I, I think it works in the context of what no one is doing. But yeah, I had to go with the, the Batman's ad hoc Batmobile there. So, of course, we now get to the one we got to ask, Christian. Best picture. The Dark Knight. It's Yeah, it is the Dark Knight still for me. I, despite loving some of the stylistic elements of the other movies a little bit more... It's, it's still The Dark Knight. It's a movie that I feel like I could return to time and time again. will always enjoy. And honestly, I got to see The Batman a second time in theaters with, with my wife. And I liked did it. Did she like it? A little bit more. She did like it. And I liked it even a little bit more than the first time I saw it. I'm, and again, happened with 89 Batman. I liked it a little bit more than the first time I watched it. But The Dark Knight is a movie that I just love and really enjoy returning to. So... I'm going to stick with it there. Any any final remarks for you, Christian, on our Best Picture winner, The Dark Knight? No. It's truly an incredible superhero movie. If you have somehow not yet seen The Dark Knight, you should watch it. And it's available on HBO Max, as well as Batman Begins and The Dark Knight Rises. And that is our show. Of course, coming up next week, we do have our episode on Batman Animation, where Christian and I will be talking about some of our favorites there in the movie category. So shout out to all the animated series, of which there are many. We'll be sharing sort of streaming recommendations style, some of the Batman animated films. So of course, if you have a favorite that you want us to talk about, please do send us some feedback. A little out of order this time from a normal outro, keeping you on your toes, folks. You can send that feedback to cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. We regularly check our inbox. We love to get listener feedback, and we do feature it on the show pretty regularly. So would seriously love your thoughts on any animated Batman stuff. Would love to shout out your favorites. And hey, if you have a Batman movie that you love that we didn't talk about because we were talking about The Batman, Batman, and The Dark Knight, then hey, let us know. We'll shout that out next week as well. Next week we'll also say what's going to come up in the month of April. It's going to be a little weird. <laughs> I love what you're doing, Christian. It's getting weirder when you're hosting these months, and I'm excited about it. I had a very <laughs> conventional month this month, and now you're the one who gets to do something weird. It's going to be great. And of course, there are a few things that you can do to support the show outside of emailing us, but of course, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a rating and a review. Helps us reach new listeners. I noticed that we got to 10 reviews on Apple Podcasts, so thank you, whoever left that 10th review, and sorry if it was weeks ago and I didn't notice. You can also follow myself and the show on Twitter and Christian on Instagram, and follow both Christian and myself on Letterboxd, where we are regularly rating and reviewing the things that we are watching. Christian... Any final thoughts for the folks listening along at home? Some people just want to watch the world burn. Some people do just want to watch the world burn. And then, so then, I'm Scott, he's Christian, and this has been the Cinema Trip Podcast. That wasn't bad. Oh, thank you. <laughs>